You know, it's always interesting to learn how our guests manage to reach their goals in life. You know, it's always interesting to me how open and genuine they are when it comes to sharing their life's journey. And you know what? I know we both agree Mm -hmm. uh, that us and our listeners become encouraged when it comes to learning how our guests reach their goals. You know, we all learn from each other's thoughts and ideas. Yes, we do. everyone. Hope you've been having a wonderfully creative week. I'm Rod Jones, and we celebrate what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice so you can learn from their life's experiences, and we do too. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to Thought Rope Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we focus on sharing with everyone how they can think, be, and live more creatively with their own passions. Okay, I'm excited about this guest today, so why don't you tell us who he is? Okay, our guest today is Jaran Isabel. He's a filmmaker extraordinaire with many film credits to his name, including a film he wrote and produced that's available on Amazon Prime currently. You know, what I thought was very interesting is that Amazon Prime actually sent out emails to their Prime Mm -hmm. members telling them about this movie. I'm not so sure how often that happens. I don't know, but it made it really convenient so that way you knew his film was out there and that was exciting to us. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Can you share with us a quote that's applicable to this episode, but not about filmmaking? Well, funny you should say that (laughs) because I did come up with one that has a little bit more to do about energy, which I think is super important. Yeah. And here's the quote, there is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you for all time, this expression is unique. And that quote is by Martha Graham. Oh, very good. I didn't think you could do it, but you did. (laughs) Martha Graham, modern dancer, choreographer, and I think she's the one who literally invented modern dance. I know that she has her own dance company in New York that has been around for ages. Yeah, very famous. But anyway, so let's get on to today's guest because he's so filled with great energy that when you listen to him, it will inspire you for the entire day. Maybe longer. Yeah. Well, you know what? Mm -hmm. We can all have our spirits lifted by listening to Joran. Oh, absolutely. I know mine were. Oh, yeah. So let's start our interview with Joran. Isabel. Welcome to the Thought Road Podcast, Joran. We're happy to have a filmmaker with us today, and especially one that has been featured on Amazon Prime. Congratulations on that. Yes. Hi, Joran. We're also going to be discussing your personal creative journey. Thank you guys so much. I'm really excited about being on this podcast. Like, I'm super, 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 super excited. Oh, we're <laughs> yeah, no excited idea. to have you, too. Yeah, we're happy to have you, for sure. But, you know, before we start the interview, we always ask our guests what they had for breakfast. So what did you have this morning, Duran? Nothing. <laughs> so, like, I'm usually, like, a really light eater oh, because, okay. like, I'm usually, like, right a lot in the morning. So I usually, like, maybe have, like, some grapes or something or... 
Walmart has these really good dark chocolate, dark chocolate almonds. Oh, oh <laughs> those like are amazing. Good. Oh, great. Those are so <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? The ones in the organic section? Yes, those are I good. Do. They're very good. <laughs> And or I used to have like some leftover Vietnamese food from across the street. They have really good beef curry and lemongrass chicken, but that's amazing. That <laughs> but today I actually good. didn't have anything. Yeah. So that you but, you know you just go with the flow as far as your appetite goes. So that's nice. Pretty much, yeah. I don't have like a serious like you know routine or anything. That's good. That's totally good. I think it's bad, though. They said, like, breakfast is, like, the most important meal of the day, and I miss it. Well, you know, not for everybody, though. I mean, some people are more like they like to eat at lunch or dinner, and they just just don't want to do breakfast, and that's cool, too. Okay, all this time. You guys are are making me hungry. I know, I know. (laughs) Duran, let's start with you telling us where you're originally from and where you grew up. Well, I'm really originally from Huntsville, Alabama. I grew up in Huntsville. Not exactly the filmmaking capital of the world. No. <laughs> Most people know Huntsville from like uh, Redstone Arsenal or like the investments in space and engineering with NASA, but kind of like on a limb with the filmmaking. So, but I can say that I think the innovation is like in the air at all times here. Yeah. And it definitely, I think, has kind of impacted uh, my filmmaking and storytelling for sure. So when you were growing up, did you have a favorite childhood memory? Were you playing with film cameras or something? I really was. <laughs> I was like really like, you know, it was the 90s and I was a super weird kid that did stuff in his room with his camera. Like now it's like, I think I was a little ahead of the curve because now like everybody does weird stuff in their room with cameras. But like back then <laughs> it was like, you need to be outside with a basketball trying to be like Michael Jordan. Like everybody's trying to be like Michael Jordan. And I was just like, this is like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> and they were like, but you're so tall. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that was growing up. I was definitely making like home videos. It's funny because like over the COVID break, yeah, we were watching old VHS tapes and it was, I think it was like my second Christmas or something we were watching. But my dad was like always obsessed with like technology. Like he always had the latest like cameras and like everything or whatever. So like drones, smoke control cars, boats, oh, wow. like all that type of stuff. So in the video, we were watching a VHS tape and it, and he was trying to get me to come to him or something, like, you know, like, and get my attention. And, and my eyes were like on the new camera, like right beside him, like <laughs> fixated. <laughs> and he was trying to get my attention and I just was walking towards the camera. He's like, don't touch that. I kind of looked at him. I turned him. I said, this is like, do you know how far I could bend if you would let me touch the camera until you're long? Exactly. <laughs> I had an extra three years. But yeah, I kind of started making film at an early age. Probably like, I would say probably like five or six years old i was making like short films and stuff oh, wow. with, really with this camera yeah really young. yeah really. Being, being tall gives you a good camera angle you could shoot down at topics and subjects <laughs> you get an Absolutely. interesting angle right instead right. of a straight on mug shot you get some really good yeah shots. i'm on crane so, <laughs> that's right yeah exactly well, you're like steven spielberg you started very young even earlier than he did i think yeah. so Ooh. yeah there you go I yeah think- i think it was definitely like kind of like a god giving gift type of thing i just came out like fixated with visual storytelling for sure. Wow. That's an art though, to start so early on and go with, you know, your creativity so early on. That's really, uh, you're really very tuned into yourself. So congratulations on that. 
Yeah, and the fact thank that you, you started you. out so early just means that you're, yeah. the career ahead of you is going to be pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're excited my, to hear my issue. <laughs> my issue has always been like trying to <laughs> figure out the business part because for me, like film is just something I always did. I'm I'm assuming it's probably more like kind of like if somebody like was always singing since they can remember, like it's not something that you kind of hop into with like some type of game plan or like um, some kind of, you know, like preconceived notions or like ideas or like what you, you know, like it's no like five to 10 year plan. It's just like something I always did. Mm -hmm. So getting older, it was just like, other people start to see it, but to me, it was just, I was kind of like, it's just, this is what I, it's like something I do, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like a big deal. Eventually mm-hmm. I started to see kind of like the power of it. And ultimately, like, I think like the responsibility that one has, like being able to communicate visual ideas to people, but yeah, it, it wasn't, it was never like a business minded type of thing or like, so I, I'm, I'm really trying to get, <laughs> acclimated to like that even still now like trying to get acclimated to that type of arena because i it was never like that for me you know mm-hmm. well and it's Understand a, kind that. of a different arena too well and, i mean you're dealing with your your creativity and then all of a sudden you have to deal with business stuff and it's like exactly well, exactly or people or people trying to control the the natural talent mm-hmm. of you just like something you just do and it's just like no let's not do it like that <laughs> And they look at you like, well, this is, we know best. And it was like, well, this is what I've been doing. <laughs> so it was like a ping pong match. It's like really weird. Well, it gets down to the battle of the egos. Everybody, yeah, wants exactly. to, you know, everybody wants to have their two cents put into the game here. So true. Yeah. And then take credit for it. That's why there's a gazillion. Exactly. That's at the end of the movie. That's why you see thousands of credits. Thousands of names. Yeah. yeah exactly. Everybody got to get, yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants yep. a piece of the action. But I had an amazing childhood. Like, so it was, it was, it was, I mean, well-rounded childhood. Um, mom and dad, like amazing God-fearing parents raised me and my brothers up. I had an older sister. Mm-hmm. Our family was like really close. And I think I kind of knew I was different. They really supported me and didn't, you know, kind of interfere with me being in my room, uh, <laughs> just coming up with like all kind of crazy ideas with the video camera. Oh, that's good. That's good. You had supporting parents. You can always tell somebody that has mm-hmm. supportive Definitely parents. Yeah, you, you, know, you can always tell. So I mean, true. They, they just excel. Yeah, and they go with uh, what their talents are. I think in later in life. So that's really a, a cool. Yeah. Upbringing for you. Yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah. Uh, was your dad? Did he ever think, God, I should have given my kid a film camera when he was uh, like one. six yes, years old? No, I don't think he ever thought about it. Because my dad is like very much tangible, like businessman. Like he's the one that he actually, me and him actually a lot of like, he has like a lot of foresight and very, just really brilliant uh, as far as like, you know, now this whole thing about flipping houses, like he was doing that back in the 70s and 80s, like oh, yes. way ahead of oh, like... Very smart. Very ahead of his time. Oh my God. And very like, so growing up, I remember him being like super obsessed with Chevy Chase. (laughs) He was really popular then. Oh my gosh. He was super obsessed with him. And so what we do on the summer, in the summer is I remember being in my grandparents. He would ask everybody, my mom, my grandparents, like, where do you guys want to go 
what you want to see. And everybody would plot out on the map, like what state or landmark or park they would want to see. And they would map out these elaborate road trips, like all across America. And we probably did that like three or four times or five times growing up. So I've probably seen like every state almost in major city in the, in the United States. Oh, road trips always fun. That's, that's a oh quintessential American thing to do. Plus it's really, oh good. My God. it's a good resource in your mind for future absolutely. thinking about filmmaking. You see right? so much when you, you do so that. Absolutely. 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 I remember we was talking about COVID like that. We was going through pictures and it was a picture of, of me and my parents. I probably was like maybe one in some months out in the canyons out West. And I for sure think something got ingrained in my subconscious mind because even now, like I'm obsessed with like the Western canyons. And so when I saw that picture, I was like, maybe this is where it's, <laughs> maybe this is where it started, you know, like on some type of subconscious level, you know what I mean? Oh, I think you're so, right. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely right. Definitely on had that. an impact on me. There's a lot of creativity in those canyons. There's a lot of spirits moving around. Oh my God. It's so it's like energized. When you go out West in the desert, like it's like, you can just feel like that. Just, you can just feel it. Like, that's really, really cool. Well, that's so our, true. That's our favorite place. It's our favorite place. Yeah, definitely. Really? Oh, my God. Road trip. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> we totally spent, spent many years running around the Southwest mm-hmm. in a Jeep. Oh, I love it. In some cool oh, areas. That's, like, so cool. Like, so did, have you, did you guys ever go to Sedona? Like, oh, that's yeah. the one oh, place I haven't times, been yet. Many yeah. times. You'll love it there. Oh, you should God. go to your... You would love it. I'm trying to go. Like we want, we want to go this year, but we're trying to wait till my nephew gets just a little bit older. So I think next year we're gonna go. You and should go. All of us gonna take a road trip out there. Yeah, there's a lot of I'm energy excited about in going out there. Yeah, uh, amazing vistas. Well, you yeah, know, I, can't wait. I, I, I need to get back to what we're talking about, so that way we can, <laughs> we can, we can talk about the, all this the gossip about Sonoma. No, no, <laughs> we would love to uh, talk endlessly with you because you are such, you know, like so in sync here. But um, so before we go on discussing what you've um, that you have a, an Amazon Prime movie right now, which is congratulations on that. But tell us a little bit oh, about you. God of Dreams. And that is your movie. Where do I start? <laughs> so basically, I mean, the synopsis of it is, is about a group of I guess you could say like social young social kind of I won't say outcasts or misfits, but. Uh, individuals who kind of feel compelled to kind of do something against this kind of oppressive government that's kind of formed around events that have transpired in a nation and it's been a crisis and things have gotten, gotten tied and the economy was on the brink of collapse and they had to do something so they ended up doing the unthinkable and like how in the world did you think that was <laughs> the answer but they end up banning dreams and they're mm-hmm. i guess the ideology behind that was that is that if we can just stabilize things and keep people from wanting to or the, the buzzword these days is disrupt right. you know the system then we can kind of stabilize everything and so they decided to do this through these pills that people take to kind of suppress the urge to dream, to want, to desire, and people are trying to, you know, keep society going as as it was. So you have these these individuals are kind of fighting against that, and they, you know, don't really believe in it. Okay, don't give away, don't give away. Yeah, the, because we want people we to want watch people it. To watch it. 
So okay, good, good, good. So I should well, stop there. Actually, you set you set the stage. Yeah, you set the stage. Okay, good, 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 good. You set it perfectly. What what I also thought was pretty uh, interesting that Amazon Prime put out an email. They they must have liked your film an awful lot because I don't think they yeah. do that too often. I could be wrong, but they put out an email. So uh, to so people all, all over the members, world, yeah. yeah, all Prime members all over the world, so they could watch your film. I think that's pretty exciting yeah, that in was itself. So nice that they did that for you. Yeah, that was a real blessing and amazing. Like the, uh, I mean. Not having the budget. Originally, this uh, company was, was going to invest in and back it. So I wrote the script originally with the idea that we were going to have some funding. And then they pulled out and they had my script. <laughs> I told my friend Joe, who's the producer, on I said, well, now I have to shoot it. Because you know what happens when you get a script floating around in Hollywood in five yeah. or ten years, you're going to see it on the screen. So I was like, now nah, I have to shoot it. So he was like, well, I'm going to help you. And we end up having an amazing cast. And it was, you talk about a spiritual experience. Like, it was Oh my God. Even the cast felt it. Like one of the uh, actresses, Elena, she's from here in Huntsville. And we had a mixture of Hollywood and Huntsville actors making it happen. And she was like, I feel like protected. She's like, I, I don't want you to think I'm sounding crazy. I was like, no, I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. But the original idea for God of Dreams, I mean, I'm a spiritual person. And I have prophetic dreams and stuff. And I really, for this project, wanted to kind of mm-hmm. make something on a personal level. I remember probably a couple of years before COVID hit, I was, we were at church. I go to a small church in Gurley, Alabama, which is like 15 miles from Huntsville. Small, you know, it's my grandmother's church. That was like on my dad's side, uh, his mother's, that was their home church. Uh, it's a Methodist church and not a lot of, you know, now it's, it's not a big church at all. And I ended up having a dream uh, the week before one particular Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I was at the church in Gurley and I was looking at the church and then I looked away and I looked back again and the walls of the church were gone. The only thing left was like foundation. You could see like rocks and like kind of brick where the foundation of the church once was the walls, steeple, furniture, everything was gone. The only thing left was like the foundation. And I turned and I looked again and the walls were there again. I thought to myself, that's weird. And so I go to church that Sunday and this gentleman that goes to our church, Mr. Okoye, he's from, I think, Nigeria. And he has prophetic dreams and stuff, too. Like, we've talked about it before. And I told him, like, kind of the stuff I was dreaming and we would go back and forth. And he, I was in the choir stand. And I can't, I'm not a, a, a singer singer. I can't save no souls, but I can hold a note. <laughs> so I was holding a note in the choir stand. And he came up to me that Sunday and he said, I need to talk to you. He pointed me out, I said, I need to talk to you. And I said, oh, gosh, you know, what, <laughs> what's going on? You know, he didn't know what was going to happen. And so after church, I was in a choir stand and everybody had left. And he walked up to me and he said, I had a dream about you the other day. And I said, what was it about? I was terrified. Because <laughs> yeah, really. me and him, I had these dreams and stuff. And he said, we were, I was out here in Gurley in a church and and you were there and you were standing by the church and he said the walls of the church were gone. Really? And my heart sunk. I I was like, (laughs) and he said, and 
he said, and the walls were there again. And he said, I looked at you and you were surrounded by a lot of youth. Now in my, when I, I didn't see the youth, I guess maybe because I didn't look around. <laughs> no, but he was looking at me. We had the same, we were in the same dream. He was looking at me and he saw youth around me in a dream. I didn't see him or the youth. I just was looking at maybe my direction. I was looking at the church or the foundation. And he said, you had youth all around you. And I said, oh my God, like we had the same dream. And it really, it was it was really mind blowing because I thought to myself, like God is working on an unimaginable level to carry his will or whatever, you know, that he needs done like out. And so that now at the time, my church had no use. Like people would call it like a dead church or you know, a dying church, or whatever, whatever the term they have for it or whatever. I mean, I don't look at it like that. I just like going and I get the word and, you know, <laughs> try to live a, a, a great life, you know, this, this pleasing the hill. So I, I don't get caught up in that, but we had no, and the, the church were really thinking about closing the church and moving to, you know, Huntsville because, you know, everybody's moving to the city country, you know, population is dwindling, all this kind of stuff. And so that probably like a couple months later, youth came from everywhere. Really? Like we had more That's youth so cool. in the yeah. church, like from Huntsville, like we're busting in <laughs> to the church now. So we went from having no youth to like over 30 youth in a matter of a couple of months. And guess who was the Sunday school teacher for the youth? Me. You. Oh, he saw, we saw like all of that in a dream. And I thought to myself, like, this is what I want to explore cinematically. Like this, these are the things that I feel like are so hopeful and just so like inspiring that you don't see, like you just don't see things like that in media. And I don't know why, I don't know, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, but I was, this is, that says to myself, this is what I want to explore. Like, this is what I'm feeling led to, to, to show in this movie. And that's kind of like, was the catalyst of everything that end up happening in this in this in the story that's a that's a great story Duran. and i I have to say that uh, i think there's an uh, underground swelling of people believing and thinking in what you're sharing with us right now Mm -hmm. and I hope, you know, people that listen to this podcast are going to pick up on that big time and maybe they'll have their own experiences and share their own experiences and see how positive and productive that can be and how it can elevate our society in a positive, healthy way. That That's pretty. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's really, a, very special. Gosh, what a great. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Love it, love it. So and that, much. and that, yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and I mean, other miraculous stuff. We have no time to go through all of that, but other miraculous stuff just it was happening after that. But yeah, that was kind of like the catalyst of everything for the script. You know, you talked about how you kind of dabbled in filmmaking when you were a child growing up, but at some point you really had to actually learn how to make a film. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, I uh, spent many days up watching AMC Movie Magic <laughs> with Steven Spielberg and watching uh, all the geniuses back then, like, you know, kind of going behind the scenes and figuring stuff out. And I would kind of try to imitate it because we didn't, I mean, my folks were, you know, we were, I, I would say in my mind, we were like, we were pretty well off and, you know, they always make sure we have food on the table and roof over our head, but nowhere near, you know, nobody had money to throw at me and like, Hey, here's a Google's amount of money, go to film school and goof off with the camera. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you had to be very strategic about, you know, 
the opportunities that were available. And at the time I had a academic scholarship, full academic scholarship to go to Alabama State. I wanted to go to HBCU. I mean, I really wanted to go to film school, but I wanted to go to HBCU too. And I got a full scholarship. So it was decided. But in the back of my mind, I was always thinking to myself, like, I got to figure out how to get to LA or get to New York at the time. This is the only places you could figure, you can, you can learn how to do, you know, film, you know, mm-hmm. without having somebody who was in the industry, mm-hmm. you know, it was, YouTube was just starting out. Nobody was having the tutorials and stuff like that. So you really only could figure it out by going to school. And so I ended up at Alabama state and I saw a, I saw a, a, a ad uh, kind of like a flyer kind of trying to get, kids interested in doing study abroad, the study abroad program that they have, exchange program. And I said, well, this is how I can do it. You know, like I don't, I, I could go through my scholarship and won't have to pay for it. And I can do it this way or whatever. Get out here, learn how to do the technical, you know, I was already making films, but like the technical industry standards of stuff, like, and you know, all of that, the software and the editing and final cut and all of that. And so I went to the office and the guy was like, this is like, this is basically saying like, this is not going to happen. Like the odds of you getting into this school are like extremely small. And so uh, he said, here, take this list and pick some other schools. I think I picked some Hawaii schools, (laughs) something like crazy, like out of the way. Mm -hmm. And that next week he called me and said, Mr. Isabel, you're not going to believe this. You actually got into the school in LA. And he was just like, he could not believe it. And so yeah, I was headed out to LA and, you know, taking films classes and film courses and that's kind of like where I kind of like went in here first and it was, it was a bit overwhelming, but I ended up learning how to do, you know, the industry stuff. And I came back and I knew so much and I was so beyond, mm-hmm. you know, what was going on at, at my HBCU. They was like, okay, so now you have a class and you teach all our teachers how to teach this to you guys. And I said, well, you guys, you guys going to pay me? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And they say, oh no, uh, weird. I was like, oh, forget it. Like now thinking back, I, I should have told them, you know, but at the time I was like, I just had an emotional breakdown out here. Like <laughs> <laughs> some type of conversation. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really, uh, it was a really great experience. Yeah. Thank Angie. You got a cool question. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm interested in knowing how you kind of leapfrogged your formal education that you were just talking about all the way to producing your film. Um, tell us what gave you the personal drive to make that happen and how, how that all came about. Like I said, I was always doing film, but somewhere along the line, it might've been, I was at Alabama state and I did a short film. It was my first film at the time I was obsessed with, I'm still obsessed with like sixties counterculture, uh-huh. <laughs> like listening to like all these folk records and like all this, you know, I just blown away by just the content and like the experimentation, I think is what I was attracted to. And just like, and I, I made my first movie and it was really like a drug movie without the drug. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like super avant-garde and experimental. And it was called Carousel Number Nine, and I took like all these different references of just like all these different movies. I was watching like The Trip with Jack Nicholson and uh, The Beatles, Magical Mystery Tour, and just like all these different like crazy influences that I was like soaking in at the time and made this short. And when I get back home and graduated from graduated from Alabama State, and I get back home and I start working, and I ended up getting back into the film after the incident at my, at my job at working at the news station or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I ended up turning into a positive. And I realized once I did that, really the transformative power of 
doing this. Like before I was just like something I always did, you know, but that was like the first time I actually used it as like a therapeutic thing and then put it back out and then saw the response. And I was like, this is what I feel like God has lead me to do with the talents he gave me. Like, this is, this is what I want to do, you know? And so what ended up happening was I made the silver, which was the fifth or whatever, but then I kind of got sidetracked <laughs> because everybody in the city started seeing my work and they're like, well, can you shoot something me? Can you shoot something me? Can you shoot something me? And so I ended up being like this music video director, which I don't regret. You know, I was always to myself. I never was out the party type, going to clubs and then no crazy stuff. Like that went from not, from mm-hmm. being like, no, not like nobody knew me and like not going out to like going out every weekend. And it was, it was quite the experience. I'm glad I had it. And I, I met, you know, amazing people and I was able to do some amazing things by it. I guess I just talk, chalk it up as this part of the journey, you know, but that was, it was always like a process. It was like one thing led to another. It was almost kind of like this journey. And as I, like I said, I never like was methodical about it or like tried to map it out. It just kind of happened. And one thing led to another. And then it was time to shoot our movie, The Last Disciples. And I looked around, I was around a lot of rappers. And I was like, y'all want to be actor? Who don't want to be an actor? Yeah, <laughs> Who don't want to be in a movie? You know? yeah. It was like, yeah. So that, you know, for me, I was just like, I was always like a platform thing. Like one thing will lead to another, you know, and it's still like that today. You know, it's like, it's still kind of one thing leading to another, you know. Duran, why don't you tell us about Isabel Studios and your tagline, which we happen to like a lot, thought-provoking entertainment. <laughs> yeah. I like a lot. I, I, love, I love you guys title a lot, thought bro. When I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, I got to check this out, you know. But it's, I, I kind of, like I said, growing up, my, my mom and dad were, were very intuitive, like, conscious about, like, society, what was going on. My mom's, like, super aware of, like, what's going on in media and like the state of the world just all kinds of stuff and just knowledgeable about history my mom's a trekkie my dad is a star wars fan so you can imagine the type of conversations (laughs) that were going on in the house growing up like we have these philosophical powwows my dad is super philosophical and and just his outlook on life i mean it's his outlook which is kind of quirky but I mean, he has a way of looking at stuff. And so I think that kind of really seeped into me and my brother's way of looking at the world and viewing the world and really informed my content, I think, you know, as far as the type of concepts I want to explore, the, the type of questions I want to ask and, converse, you know, the discussions I want to have. Just I feel like that's kind of how everybody grows and we grow individually and collectively is like experience and discussion, you know, like getting to know ourselves and other people more. And that's kind of like what I want to do with my films and my art, you know? I think you've achieved that. Yeah, very much so. Well, um, I know that we wanted to ask you about your script story. Interviewed you. You had a little story behind that. Tell us what happened. With Got a Dream script? Yeah. Like how, how it, like what, in what way? Like how, how, how did it come to be? Like, I know you talked about the dream that you had and et cetera, but how did it come together for you? When did you physically sit down and start writing it out, right? Yeah. So, so what happened was I always had the title God of Dreams, but I didn't know what the title came to me, but I didn't know what it was going to be about. I was just like, what? This is a cool title. (laughs) I always in the past was like into like lucid, looking up lucid dreams and just different stuff like that. I've always been fascinated with dreams since I was very young. Like, so there's always been, I always, I always had prophetic dreams. Mm -hmm. The one I told you guys was just one of like hundreds. (laughs) It's got hundreds of stories like that of just like 
crazy, you know, things of him. So I knew that wanted to be a part, but I didn't, it, you know, didn't, I didn't know. So I, what I ended up doing was I ended up doing some research like I do with every, you know, creative process. I ended up doing some research on mm-hmm. prophetic dreaming and Daniel popped up. Now, in the past, like, you know, I read about Dan and Lions Den and different things like that, but I didn't know him as like this dreamer guy, like the guy who had these dreams and interpreted dreams. And so I started reading it. I was like, oh, my God, it was, <laughs> it was like super comforting and inspiring, you know, and my middle name is Daniel. So I run to my mom and I'm like, Ma, you didn't tell me, you know, why you never make this connection about (laughs) Daniel in the Bible and my middle name? She was like, I don't know, I never thought about it or whatever. And so I got home and I really prayed. We had finished this movie called Candy and it was an urban drama. And afterwards, I really stopped and I prayed and I was asking for direction. I was like, God, I really could go any direction with my art and craft. I really want to go in the right direction and I need you to lead me in the way in which I should go, you know, as far as this project and just future projects in general. And I kid you not, I'm up writing. He gave me a couple of revelations. One of them was this nonprofit organization I had, Isabel Academy. That came, and while I was working on that, the script for God of Dreams all came down and it came so fast that I was on my computer writing this. It was almost like I was watching a movie. Like it was super, 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 super crazy. Like I, it was coming down. I'm writing it down. And some of it was happening so fast that I'm right taking notes on the side of the script just so I could keep up with like how it was coming. Wow. And probably like, I had the whole 90 pages probably written in like three days. Wow. Like no first dress. Auto writing going on there. Oh my God. And I remember I was up and I finished on the third day or third or fourth day, maybe. It was less than a week. I can't remember exactly. Maybe three, four days, something like that. But I remember being up and I was up as the sun was coming up. And I remember at my computer desk turning and looking out the window and the, you know, like you, the sky looks a certain kind of way or like, it's just, it's a little brighter than you. It's just something about it. You know, it's not, it's hidden a different way. <laughs> and I just remember looking at the sky and it just looked that brightness or that kind of un- indescribable feeling. And I was like, this is going to be something. I don't know what, but this is it. You know, like this is, this is something that I really like love. Like this is me, you know, and it's, I knew it was divinely inspired, but I thought to myself immediately after I said, it's not going to be this easy. Something is getting ready to happen. I just had that feeling in my heart that it was like, you're going to be tested on this particular journey or whatever. So I'm talking to my friend, Joe, and I'm telling him, like, Joe, I just got this amazing idea. He's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. I said, but something's getting ready to happen. I'm going to be tested to see, like, if, if I'm going to do it, if, if it's going to happen or not. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, I get an email from a company that had candy. Candy, at the time, at the same time, candy started taking off. And they call me and they say, hey, would you, would you be interested in doing a second one, a third one, a fourth one, a series? And I say, here you go. Yeah, <laughs> I started looked at Joe and I said, now I have a choice to make. Either I can go with this or I can turn it down and I can do this movie and, and do what I know God is telling me to do. And Joe was just like, I'm coming over because the, 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 the CEO got a company say he's going to call me and schedule this meeting or whatever. He's like, I'm coming over. You're not messing this up. Yeah. <laughs> so we come over here and we listen to, but I already had my mind made up. I was like, I'm doing this movie, you know, like, and I made a decision, you know, and, and turned down like some opportunities and, and they were willing to like throw this, throw money and, you know, just do all this stuff with this movie. But I said, mm-hmm. I have to do this movie. Like I have to do what I know God is telling me to do and share with this movie. 
You know, I want to kind of ask you a question related to that. I know we focused on your Amazon Prime movie, uh, but you've had a lot of other film credits. Why don't you share with us what was, say, your favorite and why it was your favorite? Oh, well, I kind of look at all of them is is really I feel like movies or films are kind of like Instagram photos. <laughs> like you go back and you and you look at it, you like where you were at that time. You can see that. You can see who you were around, what you were influenced by. You know, emotionally, where you were. It all kind of comes back flooding back. And I feel like each one of them are kind of like a piece of me, you know, I have very supportive brothers that I love dearly that have kind of always been there with me and helped me and kind of they're creative in their own right and helped me, you know, flesh out a lot of stuff. I could trust them, you know, and not worry about them going and doing <laughs> one of the movies behind my back. So like I could come to them and, you know, kind of figure it out. But um, Last Disciples was like, well, Veils of Color was the first one I told you I made when I came back home. And that one went to like a lot of film festivals. A lot of people haven't seen that. Last Disciples was the first one. That's why after I was after I got involved doing the music videos with with everybody with the artists and stuff. That was like on Thursdays. Uh, my old pastor, he was super inspiring me. Adolphus Elliott, uh, senior. He would have these empowerment sessions, and what it was was everybody would come, believers would come together, and we would set these empowerment sessions, and we literally would go one by one, and we somebody would read a, a verse. And everybody would start to break it down as it relates in real life. Mm-hmm. So it kind of got taken out of this kind of, I don't know, kind of dogma of like, you know, this this static kind of like thing that happened 2000 years ago into like present day. And I thought to myself, like, this is what I should do visually. Like, I got to figure out a way to make these concepts and take them and put them, you know, so we can see them. And, and it, became, it can because it is living. I feel like the word is living, like it's happening every day, but it's hard to see because of the context. Mm-hmm. So I said, like, let's bring it up to date. And so that's kind of how Last Disciples came about. We, I, I looked at different stories in the Bible and I and looked at the spiritual, I feel like principles or concepts that were happening and brought them up to date. So we did three stories. We did Cain and Abel, we did Noah, and we did Job. And all my the people I was around at the time, I just asked them, they're like, hey, you know, you want to be in a movie and do this? And everybody was like, yeah. And it ended up, at first when it started going viral, I thought my brothers were buying views. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I called them up and I said, what are y'all doing? We got to do this organically. Like, we, this is not honest. Like, we got to do this right. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, the views. They're like, what views? I'm like, have you seen the movie? And it was just skyrocketed. Like, it just went super viral and people, like, loved it. And it's still on YouTube. You guys, if anybody can check it out. But now it's a little graphic now. It's a little in your face. Because at the time, I was in a trap. Uh-huh. <laughs> to be honest with you, I was doing rap videos. So, but the message got across. And my whole point with doing, was, with doing that was to present the word in places that it normally wouldn't be talked about. You know, and it worked. Okay. Well, that's really great that your artistic vision really resonated with people and they could, you know, really relate and watch it. So good job for you. And want to play with you. Yeah. And, you. Yeah, and you. yeah, exactly. That's the miracle. Yes, that's what <laughs> that we were able to like bring this, the word and bring these concepts and spiritual principles in places that is normally not. And that's the place that it needs to be is the places that is, that is normally not. So that was the miracle to me, you know. You know, I got I, I want to answer this question. That I think a lot of people would like to know, especially with all that you've shared. Considering you are a writer and a filmmaker, what do you hope to per, personally accomplish in the next two years? 
I need a short answer on that. But what do you want? Where Where do you want? Where does Juran want to be in two years from now? Juran. Mm. Oh yeah, you, you get it right. I was gonna say every time you you say my name right, my eyes light up. <laughs> <laughs> two years. Um, I don't know. It's so hard to say. Like I'm kind of like a moment moment to moment person. I do try to plan out. You know. Professionally, I have like this slate of like films that are just lined up that I've already got written the scripts to I already, you know, God can I reveal these concepts to me and these things he wants me to say. But again, it's like, how does this work in the real world? You know, and I know he always makes provisions for it to work, but it's just always so frustrating and crazy. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, I know you're going to make this work, but can you give me a cheat sheet? Like, can you at least like let me know so I can like not panic and freak out and be on the verge of doing something I probably shouldn't be doing, you know, but I guess that's the faith part, you know, it's like, you just keep going little by little, you know, but it would be to answer your question to get these films that I have out, you know, kind of like how we did God of Dreams, like get them out and get them uh, seen, you know, by people, you know. Right, right, that makes sense. That's, yeah. that's always just my okay. okay, so we're going to ask you a question. We always ask people what would be your three or four word advice that people want to go into the film industry? What advice would you give them? To not go in it. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no, I would, but honestly, I would say, because now like media, I guess with social media and technology, media in general is just so trendy and it's like people, you know, it's, it, it's attracting a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I think, it's important to ask yourself, like, what is your purpose or what's your reason in doing this? You know, and I think that helps inform your work for what I mean, I'm not saying you should do what I'm doing, but it would inform your work on what in, in whatever capacity that, that you're trying to accomplish the, the why and not to be famous and not to have your name, you know, because that's temporary, like that fades. That's not going to last. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? to improve yourself, to improve the world around you, to inspire people around you to wake up and have a better day or, or, or presently have a better day than they already have. or, you know, it's just like service, like looking beyond yourself. And I feel like that's hard in this industry because it's all about ego. It's all about what I'm getting out of something, what I can, what, what's helping me, what's helping me get ahead is it's, I don't know. Like I just, I kind of like have a love and hate relationship with the industry because on one hand it's like, you need, I need it to get across the messages and the things that I want to do. But on the other hand, it's, I don't know, it's like day to day. I'm kind of getting, becoming more and more disillusioned <laughs> with the industry of Hollywood because it's just, it's just depressing. Like you're not the only one who's disillusioned with well, Hollywood. I think a lot of people are, but for you, I like, I really get that you're all about your heart and following your spirit. And that's so inspiring. And I think that being able to edit out the business and money portion while you're creating, I think that's really where you're shining here. And a lot of people oh, can't, do, yeah, and you know, can't do the two hats. Exactly, it's hard. And obviously, Joran, you're doing exactly the right thing because all the right doors seem to be opening at the right time. So you're you're following your you're path. You're doing so good. You're doing really great. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I need to hear this. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to ask you this quick question, and then Angie's got my favorite question coming up after this oh, yeah. one. Yeah, I'm um, excited to know. Duran, what do you do when the creative muse 
leaves the stage. What do you <laughs> do the when, room. when you yeah when he's out of the room and you're sitting there all alone? Oh, oh my to, god, freak out! I mean, what I used to do is I used to go to the library. I was obsessed with the library growing up because they had like, all the free DVDs that you could check out. And mm-hmm. like, you know, before streaming took over and I would just get like all these kind of obscure, you know, thank God we had a great curator at our library who had all these independent films and stuff like that. But that's what I used to do. And I used to get like a lot of international, which I still really love, like international art films and stuff like that because they tend to be less constrained, you know, and worried about like financial doing well at the box office and they tend to, be, tend to be more about like ideas I guess and so I used to watch like a lot of those subtitled and stuff like that or whatever and go to sleep on them wake up with great ideas yeah, they, they but not, now they're not so interested in the protagonist antagonist plots exactly. they, they yeah. show good good uh, good writing good editing yeah and it was you know, a lot of it is like really forward thinking you know like a lot of stuff coming from overseas but but now I'm kind of like, that was when I was younger, but now I'm kind of like very sensitive about like what I'm taking in and the ideas I'm taking in. Just really aware, more aware now than I was when I was younger about certain things getting in your spirit and certain things kind of like, you know, meddling around in your mind and they, they come out some type of way. You don't know where, but it's going to come back out some type of way. So now I'm like really kind of like aware of that and try to be very selective about what I watch. But to answer your question, take drives. I like going to state parks. I love amusement parks. I love looking at the theme in amusement parks and getting that energy. Reading. I love reading. I go find like a lot of books and I get inspiration from like a lot of just different creative, I feel like geniuses in the past, you know, their thoughts on life, Mm -hmm. outlooks on life, views on life. Talk to my brothers, have philosophical conversations, save the world type (laughs) of conversation. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like, okay, this is interesting. Like, like let's 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 put this visually on screen. You know, like turning those moments of aha moments that you have when you're talking to you know a loved one or a friend or whatever, and then like translating that visually to let everybody have the aha moment. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's kind of like I guess where now you know it's more like on a spiritual thing. Read. I read like a lot of devotional books. Um, try to stay prayed up and tapped into. And sometimes it's you know. I just have to become comfortable with sometimes God just want me to rest. Yeah. <laughs> like just chill out, dude. You know, just, I, you, 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 you've been working nonstop for two years. <laughs> Take yeah. a couple months off. You yeah, know, like, so. I think you're right on the, right on the money on that one, really. That's why there's seven days in a week and that's why there's the seventh <laughs> day. But, okay, yeah, Gia, that's my favorite question. Okay. So now we're going to go on to the other question because we're running out of time, but, and that is if you, Sit on a park bench and chat uh-huh. with anyone from the past. Who would it be, Jerome? Christ, of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> of course, of course, my everything. But with him for sure. But this guy, I don't know if I'm pronouncing, pronouncing his name right. I have a super interesting story. I don't know. It's probably going to be too long. But when I was like 19 or 20, I really went on a search for God. And I grew up in a church, you know, I accepted Christ like probably like 16, 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. But it was always like kind of like you grow up and that's the, that's the thing. That's the expectation. But when I got into college, it was like I really was trying to find God for myself. You know, like I, I, Christ was still in my heart. But I was like, I got to find it for myself, like because uh, it was just something I grew up in. You know, thank God for that because I had that root. But I was right. searching for him for a personal relationship. 
And so I was reading like all types of stuff. I got really into like um, Eastern philosophies, Confucius writings, Buddhism. I read like a lot of, um, I I wish I'm still fond of (laughs) the Dhammapada and um, different things and stuff like that. But I was reading this, but I got a hold to, and I was praying the whole time. I was like, God, you I, please reveal yourself because I, I, I'm, I'm looking for you. You know, I was going through a lot of personal stuff, identity stuff or whatever at the time. And I got these books by, uh, I think I'm saying his name right, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And he was an amazing, like super simple writer. But he, I think in the 60s, he was MLK's uh, right-hand buddy, which I thought was very super cool. Like, on the front line for like mm-hmm. civil rights and stuff like that in the 60s. But he had this idea of like, joining the East and West through religion. So he was writing these books, trying to, trying to not necessarily consolidate or trying to like say they're the same, but kind of like highlight the similarities between Buddhism and Christianity. And so he had this book, um, going home, Jesus and Buddhas as brothers. And I remember that, but I was reading the book and then he said, if you came to this religion, looking for God from another religion, he said, go back to your religion find the truth, find the truth there, and then come back to this religion. Because if not, you like a leaf blowing in the wind. And when he said that, it was like a light bulb went off my head. I was like, that's exactly what I was. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to read like almost every major religion there was. And so I was like, I had to ask myself, like, what do I believe in? Like, what did it? I was like, okay, I'll send myself a Christian, you know, grew up in Christian. And I was like, but I really don't know anything about Christ. And I was like, probably want to go research the guy who you <laughs> think, you know what I'm saying? You get yourself. So I go back and I read the four gospels and Oh my God. It was just like, I can't even explain the the feeling I got. It was just like, this is it, you know? And it's crazy that I had went to a Buddhist monk to get redirected back to uh, <laughs> Christ, but that's exactly yeah. what happened, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I still have, yeah, you know, I still have a soft spot for, you know, Eastern philosophy. <laughs> well, we'll, but it all meshes together. Yeah, so it all it's all meshes together. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. we've, uh, this has been fascinating. You've yes, been a great thank you guest. So much, and uh, I want to mention to everybody that we're going to be sharing a lot of information about you. But, you know, you've managed to achieve so much. And we know you've got a super bright future ahead of you. Oh, yeah. And we really thank you for giving us a little insight into your exciting creative career. And we're looking for the next, the next blockbuster movie yeah. from Duran. Duran Isabel. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for having me. Yes, Duran, thank you so much for sharing your inspirational creative journey with us today. And now comes the time that I let everyone know. If you'd like to know more about Duran Isabel, we will have links for him under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com so everyone can learn more about him. And please connect with him on social media, his website, and check out his movie. You will love it. Thank you, Duran, for being with us. Thank you guys for having me. It was my pleasure. It was yeah, my pleasure. (laughs) Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, both Ron and I would really appreciate you buying us a cup of coffee. Just go to thoughtrow.com, scroll down a bit, and you can find that link right on our website on the homepage. It's really easy to do, by the way. Yes, it is. And all the money we receive goes to our production costs. Yep. And primarily because we want to keep our show commercial free and we want to continue to bring you the best quality content with great guests. That's right. Thank you for listening to Thought Row Podcast.
I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. Bye.